Warning! The following podcast contains strong language, which some listeners may find offensive. If you do... Up yours! That's only if you don't listen to the podcast. Otherwise, not up yours. Hello, and welcome to the Untitled Wrestling Podcast and another episode and review of NXT UK. My name is Troy, joined as always by Jay, and we will be doing a double header this episode, reviewing last week's 8th of February episode and this week's uh, 10th, 11th, 10th, 10th of February episode. That's it, that's the one. Uh, yeah, how you doing? You alright, mate? Hey, I'm, as you can hear, I'm a bit, a little bit hoarse, but... A bit throaty. Bit throaty, but we'll get through. We will, we will. Well, I've got the reins on this first bit to so save your voice, mate. Don't you worry. Uh, yeah, so last week's episode, 8th of February, kicked off with uh, a tag team title number one contenders match between Smith and Carter and Mastiff and Stars. Um, it should be noted that now for a second week in a row, or at least not second week in a row, they had the Devlin and Dragonoff no crowd match. And this week, there is no crowd for the whole show. And the same with uh, most recent episode on the 10th. So both have no crowd in there. I, I think they've done the whole tapings without crowd because of um, those was the restrictions, wasn't it? In January. With like, oh, there was, wasn't there? With like the mask restrictions and stuff like that. So they probably just got, all right, fuck it, we'll just warn our fans. Mm. Oh, maybe, yeah. I, I've actually totally forgotten about that, but it, it makes sense now. I just want them to go back to doing touring again. That'd be nice. We'll see. We'll Sorry, right. we've got progress doing that, please. Yeah, yes, progress. Um, anyway, NXT UK, um, tag team title number one, number one contenders match, Smith and Carter, Mastiff and Stars. Uh, Stars and Smith start a match fairly even, um, neither really gaining an offence. Uh, Nigel on commentary tries to stir up some shit. Uh, it should be noted, actually, uh, tag team champions Trent Seven and Tyler Bate are on guest commentary for this match. Um, and at one point, Nigel tries to stir up some shit by blaming Trent for Tyler losing the cup. They're still, they're still going with that, aren't they? Still... There was tension. There was tension. There was tension. <clears throat> oh, soon. Trent was, like, Trent was just like, oh, don't worry about it. And then Tyler kind of like went, everything's fine, isn't it, Trent? And just like stared at him. Mm. And it, it, everything wasn't fine. Definitely not fine. Definitely not fine. Oh, when that when that day comes, I'll have a tear in my eye. Ah, Christ. Um, I, match, oh, on. I wouldn't be surprised if it was in the first defence. Oh, really? Given what happened on the following week's show, yeah. That's true. That's true. More on that later. But yeah, not thought of that. Um, Smith and Carter isolate stars for a brief moment. Massive tags in. Um, Carter misses a springboard off the ropes, managed to recover, and then they keep Mastiff isolated. It's very much Smith and Carter dominating in the early going. Um, and then start to see some tension, speaking of which, uh, between Stars and Mastiff about who's going to tag in, who's going to continue in the match. And this runs throughout uh, for the most part. Stars tags himself in uh, to tie up with Smith. Uh, and then he shows that he can hang with Smith and proves his worth uh, to Mastiff. He's then sent to the outside, allows Carter to tag in against an advantage who keeps up the frequent tags to again isolate him. Uh, Smith absolutely levels Stars of a lariat for a two count. Uh, in the corner, Stars manages to catch some separation uh, with a hip toss off the top. Massive event eventually manages to make the hot tag in, goes to work on both men. Uh, he levels Smith with one of his own massive lariats for a two count. 
both men then clash heads. Massive looks pretty dizzy. Styles is desperate to tag in, uh, but Massive says, nope, he's got it. Um, and to his detriment, uh, takes too much time, misses the into the void cannonball uh, in the corner, which allows Smith then to hit a double knees to the back. Uh, sorry, Carter hits a double knees to the back. Smith follows up with a clothesline and then Carter hits the assisted moonsault for the win. So yeah. their, their uneasiness continues. Um, certainly showed like a lot in this match. It cost them the victory. Um, do you think Smith and Carter were the worthy winners here? Yeah, I thought from the get-go, Smith and Carter should have won it. I, my only concern is that I think they should be the people to dethrone Mustache Mountain. Mm. And uh, might kind of be one, might kind of be one like shot too many for them, if you get what I mean. So if they lose this one, they're getting in that dangerous sort of territory of, well, are they ever going to win it? Mm. And you, you can make that work because, like, we've seen it happen before where, like, people have had opportunities and they've never quite got it and then they finally have. But it, it's it, it's a very fine line to walk. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, Smith and Carter uh, against Mossash Mountain will be an awesome match. Uh, they had one, uh, they had one late uh, last year, like yeah. September, October, maybe. Uh, that was really good. So, yeah, I'm excited for this one. Um, this whole tension between Massive and Stars, um, we see like a little kind of backstage segment, I think. Uh, I think it's in this week's episode on the, the 10th of February episode, kind of a, a post-match thing. Um, but yeah, like, do we see them keeping them together for much longer or are they going to kind of keep teasing that tension and, and build it long and then we eventually get them one-on-one? Or Because it kind of feels like at the moment, I know you're saying they're teasing the split with Mustache Mountain, they're then teasing the split of Massive and Stars. They're like slowly dissecting like the tag teams in there. I, and it doesn't feel like Massive and Stars have been together I all that long. Don't think they are teasing the split with Massive and Stars based on what they did the following week. Okay. I right. think I think what they're doing with that is they're going to repackage Jack Stars. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because he was like, oh, I, 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 want, I want your jacket, Dave. I want one of your... I want one of your, your don't your touch le- my stuff. I want your leather gilet. Don't touch my stuff. I don't know why we always make him sound northern. He's not. He's from Burma. He's from the black country. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the uh, tag team title match between Smith and Carter and Mustache Mountain is... Is it set for two weeks' time? Yeah. I think that's what so, you're saying. By the time we're doing the next NXT review, we'll be covering that. That's the one. Yep, yep. Uh, we then move on to uh, a backstage interview with A-Kid about his match with Saxon Huxley. And then we go into some weird kind of etiquette training montage. I'm not quite sure what this is. It's also feel like it came, felt like it came a little bit out of left field. Firstly, I didn't realise they're having a match. Secondly, why would you start trying to give your opponent etiquette lessons? Like the week before you're due to face him. It's I, I don't get it. I, I feel like this might be the start of like either trying to establish a kid as like the guy who's going to beat Ilya or like turn them heel one or the other. Oh, see, I it, thought about the heel thing based on a little backstage thing that happened. Well, yeah, um, there was that too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, this was this was like a fucking fever dream, wasn't it? It really yeah, was. It was this. But, this was very bizarre. Very, very it, bizarre. It was strange. Like, it was very slapstick, but I think with Aker, he's very, he's like a very kind of serious wrestler. So making mm-hmm. 
do stuff like that was a bit weird. It was. Huxley, to his credit, pulled it off, though, because Huxley. he's very, very amusing, especially in this. Yeah. But we'll um, see where that goes. Um, obviously, we've got their, their match to talk about a little later on. Uh, after this, we get a interview outside the Performance Centre with Nathan Fraser. Uh, he's asked about the Familia. Um, it gets into his car. It won't start. The producer behind the camera offers to help, and they place the camera down um, at a jaunty angle where we see them about to try and start the car, and then the Familiar attack. Uh, this was really cool. I enjoyed this. I liked the way I say I like the way it was shot. They just placed the camera down, but it was a cool kind of. They've done that a few times, haven't they? Where they put the mm. like put the camera down you just kind of just see what let the action the unfold from it yeah that's it um this is pretty cool obviously this plays into the match that we'll discuss later on uh between fraser and Teoman. uh then we move on to the second match of the show which was quite a quick one actually Mila grace versus isla dawn grace showed some early offense uh dawn quickly asserts control uh looks really really aggressive Grace manages to find an opening a little later in the match uh, with a tiger faint kick in the corner and then follows up immediately with a tornado DDT for two. And then that was pretty much it uh, for anything Myla Grace did and the match itself uh, as Isla Dawn hits her finisher, which is a swinging sidewalk slam. And I think McGuinness on the replay afterwards called it the Alabaster Terror or something like that. I haven't heard you he heard of that before. Pardon? I think called Isla the Alabaster Terror. Oh, okay. I didn't know if that was the finisher or that's what he called her. I, I don't know. I, I, to be fair, this this match did nothing. This was just filler, really. Um, yeah. And she, I, she hit that for the quick and fairly quick and easy win. It, it's weird, the whole Isla Dawn stuff, isn't it? Like, they're, they're trying to make her like spooky, what they're trying to present NXT UK is like a little bit more of like the like what NXT used to be. Mm. But then there's still like shades of like NXT 2.0, like breaking through like <laughs> with like the Akad Etika training and shit like mm. that. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. I honestly as soon as I saw this match, and I hate to say it because we both enjoy NXT UK week in, week out, and it's rare that a match comes on the card for a show and you just kind of like for me, like openly sigh and just go oh. but I'm just I'm really bored of Isla Dawn I don't know what they're doing with her I don't understand it it's cool to see Myla Grace getting more TV time more matches I think this is maybe a third or fourth match in the last few months so it's cool to seeing her get a little bit more there but I'm I don't know what it is they're trying to do with Isla Dawn I don't understand and I'm at the point where I also don't really care anymore. I thought I at one point I was invested and mm-hmm. they were trying to make us serious. They took away a little bit of that kind of spooky mystique and they were really showcasing a lot of, uh, I think it was like kickboxing or something background. Yeah, I was going to say, like, they've kind of, they don't, it's like they don't know what they're doing with it. So, how like, are we meant to know? <laughs> how are we meant to, like, know what to invest in? Because as you say, they were, they were, were kind of leaning more into the fact, that, oh, yeah, we'll shoot. She practices. She practices Wigan, but she's a, a skilled she, like martial artist. She's a, yeah, she's a very talented kickboxer, and that's a gimmick, and that's fine. Like, it, it, like it, it's it's like when they talk about um, Xavier Woods, a good example. Like the way they go, oh yeah, he's he's really into video games, but also he's a really good wrestler. Mm. Like you could have done it like that, as yeah, opposed yeah. to going like you you don't have Xavier Woods coming out dressed like fucking. 
Pac-Man do you or like Alex Kidd. <laughs> I mean, sometimes he comes out dressed as ca- characters, but I know what you mean. It doesn't dominate his whole gimmick. No, it doesn't dominate his character at all. It's just like he—he'll do like things. It'll be like I know his finisher is um, like the Shining Wizard that he does, which he doesn't really do anymore because they've got him doing the springboard um, elbow drop, which is also really good. Yeah, but I know the I know the Shining Wizard. He used that because um, it's one of King's moves in second. Oh, okay. And That's King's cool. his go-to character because you know, right? Because because King is King. Yeah, I mean, smoke up by Mayor the Granddad, and he's got an Akada alternate skin. Rainmaker, Rainmaker. <laughs> Multiple times. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they they did that whole thing where she was kind of collecting the trinkets and stuff like that, and that didn't feel like it really went anywhere either. And they were filled. They had these little kind of vignette the, video packages and the thing that it lost me on was when she was making like the lights flicker when she walked into a room that was when i was like oh yeah uh, i'm not into this anymore I, I i thought the collecting stuff was quite cool but the the problem is the the not they've never really kind of until now it's never felt like they've really tried to commit to like either side of like that character mm, mm. like they they still like even even now when like they're trying to like go full like all right yeah she's full witch like she just she's a witch. She lives in the woods and all that. Mm. Like they they still they they're still like oh, but she's also a very talented kickboxer. It's like yeah, well, that's, show that, us that. that. That's great if you want to if you want to do the witch thing. That sound, but like don't keep fucking humming and hard about like how how much you're gonna commit to the bit. Mm. Mm. Either go all the way with it, like they did with um the fiend or like Alexa Bliss when they were doing that that kind of thing. Yeah. Or like don't half ask something like that. You can't. Mm. Yeah. I agree. Hundred percent agree. Uh moving on, we get Nina Samuels. Well, we get Amel being interviewed backstage, then very quickly interrupted by Nina Samuels. Turns into an episode of the Nina Samuels show. NXT always NXT UK always needs more Nina. Correct. Facts. I did not realise how much I miss Nina Samuels until like this these two episodes. I was like, Yeah. Fucking great, and she, yeah, man, great, super. Um, Nina Samuels uh says she's hopeless, um, because of her recent defeats. And Amal just says she's insulted her and she wants a match, uh, which we'll talk about a little later. Nina also brings up, um, as well, which was quite good. Uh, so, so she like says you call yourself the French Hope, but you derailed me. Mm. When like a male like attacked her to like get the first shot of Mako, so oh yeah yeah yeah, I forgot. Brings that up, and yeah. I thought that that was really good. It was a nice like, callback. The fact that well, you derailed me. Where's the hope in that? Yeah, yeah. And she just kind of like goes on to like just ripping a some more. <laughs> yeah, I, I I hadn't caught on to that. Like obviously I heard her say it, but yeah, that that's clever. We get another interview. Uh, this one was Sam Gradwell, friend of the podcast. Sam Gradwell, top top lad. Uh, he says something about cockroaches running under a door and not knowing what's on the other side of the door. Basically says that Kenny Williams isn't ready for him. This was short, sweet, to the point. I really like this, though. It felt like a bit more of a serious sort of sound, Gradwell. It wasn't this kind of, like, shouting and being all over the top and yoga and this, that, and the other. It was very focused, like, really determined. I liked it. It's well done. Didn't outstay its yeah. welcome. Yeah, uh, he seems to... Um... They, they seem to be kind of like trying to position him to 
be like moving up the card, don't they? Mm. Right, 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 yeah. It, like in certainly in the last like sort of six months, he's improved a lot. Hugely, yeah. I thought he's I've always thought he's been good. Like, but I think I think the whole like kind of like having him as like the loudmouth heel, it was almost like hamstringing him a bit. Yeah. He was he was kind of pigeonholed into that one like oh he's just a loud obnoxious here like the Miz or someone mm. like that. Mm. That there's kind of not a shelf life, but there's a ceiling for that. Whereas yeah. making him a bit more like kind of serious baby face. Yeah. Um like, I mean, I remember you saying the crowd loved him. Mm. Were they yeah, like yeah. They, they sounded like they did when yeah. on like as well. Yeah. And he's just entertaining, isn't he? Massively. Really is. Really, really is. After this, uh, we get Shah and Dar uh, just basically telling us that the Supernova sessions are returning soon. Uh, Gallus then come in. Uh, Joe wants to put a bet on himself for winning the Heritage Cup. Uh, and then Wolfgang writes on the board when Shah and Dar leave. He's meant to put GBOT. Doesn't it? Puts GPOT. I don't know what that means. Come on. Just stop trying to make Gallus a thing. <laughs> Then we move on to the main event, which is the Japanese street fight, Mako Satomura versus Blair Davenport for the NXT Women's Championship. A uh, couple of things before the match starts. Um, notice there was some Japanese like theme graphics on the screens, which kind of cool. Um, although one thing I didn't get, one thing that felt almost out of character. So if you consider how their last match ended, where Davenport yeah. blindsided her after, why isn't Davenport attacking from the off? She's come into the ring with a kendo stick and they're stood really civilly at the start, She's not doing anything at all. Like for me, this is a street fight. It's no DQ. She's shown that like, she doesn't want to play by the rules. She's attacked her from behind after she's lost to her a couple of weeks previous, but now there's this really civil beginning to the match. Like for me, this is a feud that's kind of built and built up a bit more. And Davenport should be coming out just like attacking her from behind or Vice versa, Mako getting her own bat for the blind side and just going, ah, sod this. Like, I I wanted this match. It was Satomura that asked for this street fight. And Satomura just coming in from the off and just blindsiding her before the bell goes. For me, that yeah. would have worked better within the context of this story. I, I think, like, the, the, there's, there's an easy way to explain it. And it's not, like, it would be that um, Blair could, like, think that Mako would anticipate her doing that. Mm. So by or not, it, it builds like almost almost builds more anticipation for fair fair by itself. Yeah. Um, On to the match itself then. Um, Davenport, as I said, comes into the ring or comes down uh, and brings uh, a candlestick. Uh, she misses uh, a big swing of that from the off. Uh, the action pretty much immediately spills to the outside. Davenport sits Mako down uh, on a chair, uh, gives her a big boot. Uh, she's then immediately hitting the ribs by Mako with the chair. Uh, Mako then busts out in the nunchucks, uh, blasts Blair in the ribs and the back a few times. Um, it's very, very back and forth. Like no one really seemed to be on top for any prolonged amount of time in this. Uh, Blair drop kicks the chair into Mako's face from the top turnbuckle. Uh, she then tries to, um, she then, sorry, rather ties a chain uh, around her shin, um, boots Blair against the steps on the outside of the ring. Blair then immediately follows up with some kendo stick lashings. Uh, she then uses the turnbuckle, like the bar that they tighten up the turnbuckle with. She uses that to bend Mako's fingers back, which in turn uh, 
means she can't lock in the STF, which she tries because she can't fully clasp the fingers. I thought that was cool, but I thought they could have dragged that out a little longer because it was immediately as soon as she'd used that bar, she went for the STF. And yeah, I, f- I feel like something like that, if they didn't introduce that at the very start, yeah, it just would have been nice to see that prolonged out. Maybe if they'd introduced that at the at the start of the match, and that was the first thing she bust out. And then she kept working the fingers to eventually for her to not lock in the STF, but it was it just seemed a bit hurried at that point. Um, and then we sort of go in towards the end of the match. Uh, as I say, Blair goes to work with the kendo stick again. Uh, she goes for a double stomp off the top uh, with Mako spread across the apron. And she manages to connect, but lands horribly on her ankle. Uh, lets out a fucking horrendous scream and the ref pretty much immediately throws up the X and calls for the bell. Uh, so Mako retains, uh, but via referee stoppage. Um, that wasn't a nice way to end uh, that match. It was. It felt like it was just picking up steam. I was starting to, well, was enjoying it from the off. But yeah, it, it did feel like it was really building some momentum there and holds it fairly quickly. Pardon? Do you think Blair was going to win? Oh, I don't know. Um, maybe. I, I, I feel like they might have pulled the trick because they were going on a lot about how, like, how this was completely out of Mako's, like, wheelhouse and Blair's, like, a bit more used to, like, doing like stuff like this. And out of the, yeah. Yeah. And, like, like take any means necessary to win. And it, because Mako kind of come out so strong, I felt like maybe it was like Blair was going to turn the tide and like, mm, yeah, and yeah, catch off guard sort of thing. Um, yeah, possibly. Yeah, horrible injury. Um, this was recorded probably, it'd probably be like January, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So she posted a picture on Instagram yesterday. It looked like she was in the gym. I saw that, yeah. And he wasn't on crutches, so that's a good thing. It means mm. that he wasn't as serious as we first thought. Could have just been like a bad sprain or something. Mm. Well, she had she had a boot on, didn't she? On the picture she put the picture up, she put up, which is on crutches. Yeah. So if or maybe could, like a, a could have been like a yeah, like a hairline fracture or something. Mm. I mean, the way I like Ben was horrible. That wasn't nice. It was Re- not remind, nice. Reminded me of the Sid one in WW in WCW. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's how the match ended, uh, which is unfortunate, as you say. Like it, it could have been the time when they, they pulled the trigger on Blair. Um, but we we won't know. Hopefully she's back soon, hopefully a speedy recovery. Um my gripe with this match, and it, it's just it's a trait of WWE, really, in my opinion, where they can't just Is call something, they can't they can't just call something yeah. a street fight. It's got to be a something street fight. So, like the most recent example springs to mind uh, was Biggie and Apollo Cruz with the Nigerian drum fight, and it was just a street fight. It just put a few drums around the outside, like it, it made yeah. no difference. The only thing Japanese about this street fight were the graphics on the screens. And the nunchucks. Every other weapon is a weapon that uh, comes across in a street fight or an ODQ. Just because the champion happens to be Japanese, you don't have to stick that on it. Just call it a street fight. Do you know what I mean? Like they didn't. They just oh, yeah. That frights <laughs> me a little bit. Yeah, but like, it's, it's a niggly point. It's a it's a small point. I I agree though. Like I don't I, I don't really 
like like that myself like kind of theme and a themed match already like yeah yeah like I, I get it when like if the like say when they're in Chicago and they go oh it's a Chicago street fight because they're in Chicago I guess so but I, I, don't, yeah. I understand that yeah. elements of it um or like the Christmas when they do a miracle on 34th street fight yeah um like the the this there's, there's times when it can work hmm. but this wasn't it yeah this it, it was i like w- the first thing when Nigel goes well oh, there's lots of japanese themed weapons i like there isn't them there is there's one you, you could have literally just called it a street fight it's yeah it, it did feel like just because mako was japanese they were calling it a japanese street fight yeah exactly and it made me a little bit uncomfortable about that Mm. I mean, obviously, like they were like, "Oh, well, Mako's made the challenge." Like, fair enough. Maybe it was their idea, but still, yeah. like, it's still a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. The thing is, it, it it goes back to the point you said earlier in regards to Isla Dawn, where it's like either go all in with something or don't. Now, if you're going to call it a Japanese street fight, really theme it Japanese. Like, have just Japanese weapons. Like, change the aesthetic of it a little bit. Like, do something to make me feel. And make me believe that this is something other than just an ordinary street fight. Just have a table full of Storm Zeros. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Just just do it a bit differently. Like you've yeah. got in an empty arena, which is what they were using, they've <coughs> got the space and they've got they've got everything there to go. Do you know what? We can make right. this a bit different. Loads of tables of Storm Zeros. Yeah, all that. All that. Could have had a whole teppanyaki stand, mate. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the chef doing the fucking <laughs> cooking the food and throwing, throwing potatoes at, at them. You got to catch them in the mouth. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, uh, like the, to be honest, the whole like kind of thing feels forced. Like with the whole Japanese like tie, because obviously Blair Davenport was very like quite a big big name in Japan. Big in Japan. Um, and obviously she like keeps calling herself number one gaijin and like. It, it feels really forced. It does very, it very feels much so. Re- it's like they've gone, oh, she, she's, she's, she's Japanese. You, you wrestled in Japan. Oh, we can do that. Oh, we can do that. Yeah, yeah. Or you could, I don't know, just they, they, they've, they've really, again, they're doing with Blair Davenport a similar thing to what they're doing with um, Isla Dawn in the sense they can't really decide what a character is. Mm. Like they've gone from having a being like spooky goth girl who like beats people up like like with a fucking music playing like New Jack used to do, <laughs> and the lights go down when she gets to finish it for reasons. To not quite Kenny Omega, not quite Kota Ibushi. Yeah. To like In, call entitled like yeah well, now she, throne, like... yeah now she's like well I come from wealth I'm a I'm like a powerful family yeah and it's like well what is it. Mm. Because it, it, I mean, you could do it all of them if you wanted to, but if you if you like that again, I think this is my main gripe with NXT two two point is the dead set that everybody on everything has got to have some kind of like underlying gimmick to it. Yeah, yeah, and you don't always need that. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like you look at Akid, like he was, he's really entertaining, and mm-hmm. his gimmick is that he's like just a really good technical wrestler. He's yeah. Like 
he's like, oh yeah, well, I've, I've come from Spain to the UK to try and make a name for myself. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And it works and perfectly. Like he doesn't need perfectly. any more than that. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I've, I've got the fear that either one of two things has happened and either NXT 2. Point, NXT UK is going to become like NXT 2.0. Mm. In which case I'll probably stop watching it because it's not for me. Um, or that they're kind of winding it down. Yeah, you've mentioned this a few times now. I, I I say I don't see that happening. I think that's partly because I just don't want to believe it. But there could be some truth in that. It, I mean, to be fair, if they wind it down, it's not like there's a void of like British wrestling. No, no. Like we're we're going to our second progress show in a month. Yeah, yeah. Sunday. Uh, we we've got like I've, I've already been to see TNT this year. You've been mm-hmm. to see Red this year. Yeah, yeah. There's North Wrestling in Newcastle. There's like ICW in uh, Scotland. Catch in Manchester. Yeah. Future Shock in Manchester. Wrestle Island and um, over the water in Liverpool. Um, in the world, sorry. Uh, a, a, a multitude of the promotions. Rev Pro. Plenty about. Plenty about. Yeah. So it, like. I wouldn't be upset if, because, well, sorry, let me rephrase that. I wouldn't be upset because of a lack of wrestling in the UK Mm. if NXT UK was to, like, just fizzle out. I'd be upset because I quite enjoy what they're putting out. Yeah. But then there's obviously, that would mean that whether they have, like, some of these talent goes, free agents or what, there's more, like, likelihood we're going to see them around the UK or maybe pop up in like other companies like in like New Japan or like AW somewhere like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Still holding out for Aker versus like that like little little flurry of uh, technical wrestlers in it in AEW at the moment, like Lee <laughs> Maria, Daniel Garcia. Yes boy. Big Daddy Brian Danielson. Yeah. All of them. All of them. Um that was NXT UK from the eighth of February. <laughs> what were your highs and lows? Um, my high was probably the opening tag match. Mm-hmm. Uh, really enjoyed that. Smith and Carter are just a great team, really fun to watch. Um, my low is just more of like a kind of generalized thing, just an over reliance on sort of everybody needs a character. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't need to say more than I've already just said. Yeah. Uh, fair, it, it's fair, it just feels forced. It does, it does. Um, I love the tag team uh, contenders match. Uh, it wasn't my high, but I can see why you're giving it because it was superb. Um, my low is Myla Grace versus Ida Dawn. Um, didn't really do much for either person. And again, won't say any more than I already have done on it, but the whole gimmick thing, certainly with Ida Dawn, for me, is just wearing a bit thin or has worn thin. The high is uh, Satamora and Davenport in the street fight. Uh, I thought it was a really good match. It was a shame it came to such an abrupt halt. Um, whilst I gripe about it being a Japanese street fight, um, the match itself was good, uh, and I really, really enjoyed that. So before we move on to NXT UK from the 10th of February, I've got one quick tidbit, which I'll throw in, Ooh. and then I'll give another one right at the end. So Ooh. I will do tidbit for uh, today's date, which at time of recording is the 12th of February 
And we're going to go to 2017 uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, where WWE presents the Elimination Chamber opening ma- uh, sorry, dark match. Mojo Rawley defeated Kurt Hawkins. And then the opening match uh, of the card, Becky Lynch defeated Mickey James. Apollo Crews and Kalisto defeated Dolph Ziggler in a handicap tag match. Heath Slater and Rhino. Um, you are sorry. Was that this time? Jesus. It was this time. Uh, Jesus! We- Jesus! And then we had a tag team turmoil match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships in the opening match of that. Uh, Heath Slater and Rhino defeated Fandango and Tyler Breeze. Heath Slater and Rhino continued their momentum by defeating Aiden English and Simon Gotch. Jimmy and Jay, the Usos, then defeated Heath Slater and Rhino. Uh, and then in the final match, Chad Gable and Jason Jordan defeated Jimmy and Jay Uso. Uh, sorry, no, it wasn't the final match. The final match was uh, Chad Gable uh, and Jason Jordan defeating Connor and Victor uh, to retain the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Was yes, that to so. retain or was that to become new? I think it was to retain. Really? Yeah, it was retain. Uh, then we got Nikki Bella against Natalia in a double count-out draw for, for reasons. Ooh. Um, lucky us. Great. Lucky us. Uh, we then did get Randy Orton defeating Luke Harper. Uh, Naomi defeating Alexa Bliss to become the new SmackDown Women's Champion. And in the main event, in the Elimination Chamber match, Bray Wyatt defeated AJ Styles, Baron Corbin, Dean Ambrose, the then champion John Cena, and The Miz to become the new WWE World Champion. I was elated when that happened. I was very, very happy. So was I, then everything that followed happened. And... and then it just fell to shit, didn't it? Can't believe you've done this. Can't believe you've done this. Anyway, that's one of your tidbits. There's another one at the end of the show. Should we talk right. about this week's episode of NXT UK, mate? Oh, go on then. If um, we must. So the show opens with Amel versus Nina Samuels. Um, I forgot how much I like Nina Samuels' entrance. Me too. It's pretty it's, cool. It looks so good, the way they do it, with like yeah. the spotlight and... The director's the chair, chair. All that. yeah, yeah. Um, and she she is like pro- proper, like a um, almost like a pantomime dame, the way she acts, mm. like she's so over the top, really over the top, just brilliant. Like, yeah, she, she reminds me a bit of Regal, um, yeah, I can see that. I see what you mean, like, just like the mannerisms, like to yeah, she yeah. Might, probably like comedy Regal, but she's great. <laughs> um, the, the match itself, uh, and Mel controls Nina pretty much from the get go, um. As she's like Nina, kind of like rolls out the ring, and as Amel's like kind of like trying to get her back in, she pulls like the apron from underneath Amel, and Amel like falls nearly had like a really nasty landing. Mm. She got like, kind of like tangled up in like the ring yeah, apron. Yeah. Um, after a lot of offense from Nina, um, Amel fires up, hits some big clotheslines, run knee lift, and a sent on. Um, Nina reverses the hook breaker into a pendulum backbreaker, which looked awesome. Yeah, man. Um, Goes for a big boot in the corner. Amel moves out the way, kicks a knee out, hits a face wash, um, hope breaker, and picks up the win. Um, not a very long match, but it was quite fun. I enjoyed it. No, I enjoyed it. Um, it was uh, good to see Nina Samuels wrestling again. It feels like it's been way too long since. And as you say, I've been a while since we Nina. Like, there, yeah, there. she's she's great. Like, she's so entertaining. Um, and again, it was weird because it felt like they had like quite a lot of stock in it when like they first started, and mm. obviously they brought in like the likes of Blair Davenport and Mako, and she's almost kind of like fell by the wayside a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 
That's good. Hopefully, this is the start of uh, a bit of momentum, and maybe, maybe off the back of Davenport and her injury, ML's kind of stepping into that role. Maybe, maybe this is the momentum for her to be Mako's next challenger. I'd have absolutely no problem with that. Yeah, I think Mel's great. She's great. Banger. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did, didn't they? She was a yeah. Mako's first challenger. Oh, she of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, more of that then, please. Yeah. Um, but it, it'd be good as well to see like it kind of come full circle because obviously she was a heel when she faced Mako mm-hmm. and now she's face. So yeah, yeah, she'd be a bit more like I don't know, a bit more focused, bit more dream. Mm-hmm. Um, so next we see Aker trying to get Saxon to say the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. Uh, every time Saxon goes to say, she starts shouting about trains. Um, <laughs> Saxon's on the train. Saxon's on the train. Um, <laughs> and. Like, after after like three attempts, uh, Aker just gives up and walks out and Saxon just running around shouting, Saxon's on the train, Saxon's going to Spain. And he just stops dead and goes, the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. What a lovely man. <laughs> uh, just, like, what did you say? And then Saxon's just like, oh, Saxon's, Saxon's going on the to train. Spain. <laughs> <laughs> I was howling at this, I thought of the ladies. <laughs> this was very good. I knocked yeah. it like on, on the previous episode. I was like, what the fuck is this? But actually, this is fucking hilarious. And as I, you say, like, hey, you could kind of like playing this off. It was, yeah. Yeah. I, I like I liked the idea of them trying to make Aikid kind of like a mentor. Because mm. like that's that's what they were going for, wasn't it? That a kid's trying to like mentor people to get to his level, yeah. So he can have more like kind of top quality wrestlers around them. Mm. Um, and I, I feel like it was it was cool a cool dynamic him and Saxon had when he actually did the match later on because, yeah. well, we'll get we'll get to it when we get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we then see uh, Noam Dar and Shah getting ready to for the uh, Supernova sessions. Um, Gallus locked them in the dressing room and steal the Heritage Cup. Yay. Yay. Uh, <laughs> and then it says it shows a uh, Smith and Carter go back and forth with Mustache Mountain after um, the match last week and it, the announcement that the match is in two weeks' time. Um, it was weird this because Carter was really fired up, but no one else was. No one else was, was it? Yeah. I and like, he put that. his hand on Trent's belt and Trent was fuming about that. Mm. Um, Mustache Mountain were bordering on heels. A little bit, though, because they were very, they were very dismissive of Smith mm. and Carter and like Trent, like you're almost patronising. Like Trent was like, "Oh, you're a really good team, but you're not going to beat us." Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was those those shades of grey from both teams. I thought, which was, I think it's going to make it a really interesting match, especially if like if one of them starts like kind of veering off towards the dark Heeling side it up a bit. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's going to happen. <clears throat> I really yeah. do. Can't be Smith and Carter though. Nah. Even though Ashton Smith's probably like the most natural heel out of all of them. Yeah. Because he's just like a big bruiser. Yeah. But at that being said, Mustache Mountain are good heels when they want to be. Um we're gonna get heel Tyler. Tyler's definitely. I can't see I can never see Trent as a heel. It's gotta be Tyler for me. If if it happens. Yeah. So it's happening. The train's <laughs> never late. Saxon's <laughs> uh, on the train. Um, and then we got um, what was definitely my low of the episode which was Gallus presenting Gall- presenting Gallus boys on tour um, nope don't like that I thought oh, it was yeah. fucking hilarious I, just, I thought it was really funny I just, I just can't stand Gallus they just get on me nerves <laughs> um, 
So they bring out Devlin. Devlin isn't happy that it is in the Supernova sessions. He's not the only one. Um, and Mark Coffey's kind of like doing the Noam Dar presenting bit. Uh, Joe Coffey and Wolfgang are just sat on the couch. Joe Coffey looks like he's been varnished. <laughs> he looks like he's been like given like a new coat of varnish. He looks, like David, looks like David Dickinson. Just <laughs> mahogany. <laughs> Do you know, I loved uh, Devlin when he turned around to Mark Coffey and he was just like, you've ruined two of my jackets with your fat back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when, when he was like asking where his Ray-Bans are, Wolfgang was like, don't worry about it. He just pulled them out of his pocket. Um <laughs> So yeah, um, Coffee asks Devlin what's what's next after losing to Ilya, and as Devlin's about to start speaking, goes, "That's what we all we got time for." And then Dar and Shah roll up, and Shah is livid. <laughs> Shah was like, "Don't don't you call the old Bill? I'll sort this myself." But <laughs> <laughs> Devlin um, turns around to Dar and goes, "Look, I wore a t-shirt and everything. <laughs> He's got yeah. the No I'm Dar shirt on." And, uh... <laughs> um, yeah, they all argue. Joe Coffee challenges Noam Dar for the Heritage Cup. Uh, Devlin storms off. And then Gallus dance like twat. Also, I find that amusing. That's dumb. Dumb <laughs> Gallus. What I know. Gallus? I'm not their biggest fan. I thought this segment was amusing. but well, no, This is the thing, though. It's like one minute they're trying to make them like some fucking crime family. Yeah. Like from a Danny Boyle film. And then the next are like... Fucking characters on the Beano. Yeah. The next like the fucking Bastry kids. What what is it? Are you fucking <laughs> are you fucking Scottish gangsters or are you idiots? A bit of both. Or both, yeah. So again, <laughs> it, again, it's like the, the same gripe I had with like last week's episode. That they're trying to kind of then they don't want to commit to any kind of element of a gimmick, so they're trying mm. to like spread like spread like it too thin with like by giving them too many elements of a gimmick if that makes yeah. sense yeah, yeah yeah like i don't know i just I can't stand gals anyway i just thought that this was a bit yeah. Fair. Fair um enough. yeah uh and then we go to um jack stars trying to touch dave mastiff's jacket and mastiff comes in and says no you've got to end that <laughs> uh, what are you doing yeah. what are you doing in my jacket yeah, Jack, Jack Stars did like say, "Well, I I wanted to help and you wouldn't let me in," and mm. Mastiff was like, "Don't worry about it, it's fine." Like, I had it, <laughs> and then he obviously didn't. Obviously didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I think they're gonna. I think this is gonna be like kind of repackaging Jack Stars, like getting they'll end up wearing the same gear as Mastiff and like the same yeah. at the cut, probably grows yeah. beard out like to that big, length. Big bearded boys. Yeah, gain about 40 stone, you know. <laughs> Jack Stars becomes Jack Mastiff. Um, <laughs> Son of Mastiff. Just <laughs> rename him Bull Mastiff. Um, <laughs> and yeah, then we got um, a Kenny Williams promo in front of a green screen with a thunderstorm on it. And he's basically just talking about like, the thing, like he says, the thing with thunderstorms is they're dead loud, and then they kind of just fade away. And he's like, a bit like Sam Gradwell. Um, wow, disrespect. And then, and then he says, anyone can weather a storm, especially cockroaches. Right. And he, he actually cool. refers to himself as Kenny Cockroach today. Isn't that what so Saxon I, Huxley called him a few months ago? Yeah. Kenny, Kenny Cockroach. Cockroach! <laughs> 
Jackson's on the train. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, rebranded them to Kenny Cockroach. Oh God, please don't. Comes out in the cockroach onesie. He's he's very very quickly becoming Vincent D'Onofrio's character in Men in Black. Isn't he? <laughs> very very quickly happening. <laughs> Imagine if just Sam Bradwell and Saxon as the Men in Black. <laughs> oh God. Oh, oh man. Um, speaking of Saxon, uh, we get Saxon Huxley versus Akid. Um, I really enjoyed this match. I did. Um, yeah. So at the start, Akid's trying to like evade Saxon and like keep the pace slow. And Saxon's a lot more like composed than normal. Mm. Like, and they, they mention it on commentary, like, oh, like Saxon's like a lot more like methodical than usual. Like mm. he's not like just charging in. Yeah. Um, Akid slaps him and then that causes Saxon to start like going after him. And then again, Akid's kind of evading him. Saxon Thez presses Akid and just slams him into the mat repeatedly. Um, and he's again, he's he is like working like a very like slow, methodical style. Um, like he'll throw Akid around and then he kind of like compose himself and then target where he's going for, like yeah. just picks up the back. Um, both men trade strikes. Uh, Akid goes for an iron octopus and tries to pick up the pace a bit. Uh, hits a dive on Saxon and then a springboard crossbody for a two. And I love this because you don't see it enough. Um, as Saxon kicks out, Akid kind of catches his arm and transitions into an armbar. That was clever. Which really I've always clever. thought, like, why doesn't, like, why don't, like, technical wrestlers do that more often? Because mm-hmm. it's really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really fluid. Clever yeah. as well. Like, it makes it makes sense within the context of, of what they've just done. Like, that would be... Mm. A fairly natural transition, like okay, no, well, that hasn't worked. I'll go straight into it. Exactly, exactly that. Um, Saxon just murders Akid with a modified backbreaker, like <laughs> Akid just like bent around his knee. Um, and then Saxon uh, gets he gets Akid like he's clubbing him, isn't he? And then mm. Akid's trying to like block it. It's almost like Saxon's trying to like figure out what right. How am I going to keep up like the momentum here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Akid reverses into a sliced bread number two, which looked like he landed on top of his head. Mm, that I, was nasty. I that. <laughs> uh, and then hit the running super kick. Um, Saxon like grabs Akid's hand and like he maintains control of it. Akid reverses it into like a moonsault DDT. That was like just, from, that was awesome. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a callback to Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio from Halloween Havoc. Ah, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, because he did that exact spot. Um, right. And uh, that picks them up the win. Yeah, man. Um, it looked really good, to be fair, that move. It did. It was uh, awesome. Great finish. I think as well, Akid's, like the one thing Akid's kind of lacking is like an impactful finisher like that. Like he's, yeah. he's got the Oma platter and that's like awesome and that puts people away. But He's got like the leaping super kick as well. Yeah, but that couldn't put Saxon away. True. True. Uh, that's more like he only really puts people away with that in the Heritage Cup matches. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he needs he needs something that's like that's basically going to be like a, a impactful finish. Yeah, like to get yeah. him. Saying that though, like as much as I love that, it's one of those moves. Like for me, where it's like there's too much setup. He's got to get up on there. He's got to be holding <clears throat> holding their hand already in order to do it. Like. You can't just hit that out of nowhere, can you? Like, it, whilst it's an impactful, it's not like you can just sort of bust that out 
like on the fly. Yeah, but it, it, I think the way he could work, so obviously, like because he's very like submission oriented, he could always be going for something else. See, it's not working, and then just use the like use the momentum from having them in, in that already to just do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah, uh, this this was a really good match. Told a really good story. Uh, after yeah, the match, Saxon's this. livid, and Aikid kind of like calms him down, and then they shake hands, and then Saxon storms off there, uh, angry again. Um, That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, I I feel like these two aren't done, no. but then I also feel like I don't know it, it it all based on what happened later on in the show. I feel like it could be that Aikid might be. Getting a little group around them, mm. potentially. Potentially, um, or it's leading to a match. We'll talk about it now, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, first, Gallus will walk in the pub in the BC Sports Studios. Where's? Did you yeah. find that when you went there? Uh, no, I didn't. I mean, it's not in the studios. There's one a bit further down the road. Is it Wolfgang's pub? Is it Balls? No. Okay. Nah. Uh, and Wolfgang's like saying he's gonna buy like the cameraman a pint of lager or bitter or whatever. Very forced. Um Jordan Devlin just like levels him with the chair and takes his Ray Bans back. Top um, lad. And then walks off. Yeah. Uh, and then it gets announced um that we're gonna get Wolfgang Devlin next week and Gradwell versus Kenny Cockroach. Sweet. Um, yeah, I don't think they announced anything else, did they? Mm, no, the tag team match isn't for another two weeks. No, it's not. Uh, when's uh, Nina Savage and Amel will probably be on there? That was on this show. Oh shit! No, of course it was. Sorry, <laughs> singing last week's so and they announced it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in that case, no, I don't know. Um, fair enough. And then we get Aked asked about the match with Saxon uh, before he can really talk about it. The Familia walk past. Um, and he stares down Charlie Dempsey, which got me very excited. When he gave a little nod, it was almost like a nod of acknowledgement, wasn't it? Like, I was I, like, is it him teasing there could be a joint or is it him teasing a match? Because I've put Dempsey versus Aked, yes, fucking please. I've I put Dempsey versus Aked when. Um, yeah. <laughs> my notes. I've also, um, also, like, the, the, there's so many th- possibilities. Like, there's the possibility that. A kid's gonna feud with the familia, and then like obviously he's got Saxon, who he's like mentoring. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned mentoring Nathan Fraser as well, hasn't he? And Nathan Fraser's obviously feuding with them as well. Yeah. Um, but there's also the very real possibility that A kid could join. Yeah, man. Which would be very interesting. It would be. Um, or something I've literally just thought of, and it probably won't happen. What what are the familia missing? A big fucking lunatic hoss. Imagine we've got Aked mentoring Huxley this whole time. He goes into a match with Dempsey. Huxley comes out with him to kind of like, look, come, Aked's like, come and sit, sit under the learning tree. Come and watch. Also, it's a num- like going to be outnumbered. Come and sit in my corner. And Huxley costs him the match and he ends up joining them. And they've got themselves a big fucking maniac. It won't happen, but, you know, we can, we can fancy a look. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Um, Shout out to Rohan Raja as well, being dressed like my Xbox controller. Um, <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that takes us to the main event, which is Tayman versus Nathan Fraser. This, again, oh, was a boy. very, very good match. Um, yeah. Fraser is really fired up from like the get-go. Obviously, they attacked him the previous week as mm. he was like checking his car. 
he needs to get that car looked at, doesn't he? He does. I mean, it looks like a brand new car, so it's, well, it's, it's still in the warranty. Like, is it? It's like, oh, it does it all the time. Like, yeah. have it mate. You'll be able to sort yeah. that out. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, takes it to Tayaman, he goes for a springboard and Riser distracts him and then Tayaman hangs him up on the top rope and then hits a neck breaker across the turnbuckle, which looked Oof. disgusting. Oof. That was oof, it's very sad. Um, Tayaman works over Fraser's neck. There was a bit where he just stood over him and just jabbing the back of his neck. Yeah. Um, he's awesome, Tayaman, isn't he? He's just very, like... He's just vicious, isn't he? Like, he, just he reminds horrible. me of, like, the guys on the clockwork orange. The way he yeah. like, like by his style, like just the, just the way he kind of carries himself in the ring. Like he's mm. very like chaotic, um, and um, yeah, he uh, tries to trap Fraser in the apron. Uh, Fraser manages to like slide under, uh, hits a moonsault off the barricade, and then Raja distracts him again. Tayman manages to get him in the apron and just starts stamping on his neck, which <laughs> scatty. Um, Tayman hits a missile drop kick to the back of the neck, misses a sliding forearm, and it's a super kick. Um, Fraser just wiped Tayman out with a forearm smash. Yeah. Um, hits a sling blade, and Tayman rolls out the ring. Fraser hits a, fro- a frog splash onto all three members of the Familia. Um, Fraser goes for an acai moonsault, and Tayman hits a sick kick, which looked vile. Fu- yeah, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> Fraser just like fell vertically he didn't like <laughs> flip he just fell vertically yeah man <laughs> and then Tayman hits like a double underhook neck breaker for a two count uh, then hits his uh, like running forearm for the two counts uh, starts getting really frustrated and stamping and um, Fraser's neck against the bottom rope um, Fraser does like that Seth Rollins Papa Benzagiri thing he does yeah yeah um, from like the bottom rope and uh, Goes up top. Dempsey tries to distract him. He fights him off, and as and then like the referees arguing with Raj at the same time, and then Fraser just hits a Phoenix splash for the win. Winner, um, winner. Yeah, this is I like I like Fraser using that as a finisher more than him using the frog splash. Yeah, definitely. It it yeah. feels it, it it feels like it showcases more what he's capable of as far mm-hmm. as like his athletic ability because he is obscenely like athletic. I still uh, don't think that they're like they've kind of given him enough slack on the leash, if you like. Like I still think there's a lot more he can show. Well, I, I I've on our new series that we're doing, there's a match on there that proves that point. Um oh, okay. There's two actually uh, of his matches that prove that point. Um yeah, I, I think I think they're trying to like as much as as much as I hate to say it, like the trying to WWE him up aren't he mm. like that's the best way to put it where WWE like want them to work a specific style yeah. so the big moves mean more it's like yeah but in this day and age everyone's like everyone kind of expects a more faster paced style because yeah. that's where everywhere else is doing it mm-hmm. so like look at look at um, Keith Lee for example yeah them trying I'm trying to put the reins on him and then he goes his debut in AW where he was just limitless Keith Lee again mm-hmm. and everyone lost the shit <laughs> and he was doing all the all like the high flying stuff and it was like yeah that, that's, that's why we love that's why that's why people gravitate to that like yeah Nathan Fraser is a freak athlete mm. he's 
he's like he reminds me of like a cross of AJ Styles and Pac. Oh, that's a shout. Why? Yeah. Why? Like the more I see Nathan Fraser, the more I think God, he's he's so much like AJ. Mm. Um, why on earth would you like want to kind of like shackle that? <sighs> you don't shackle AJ, do you? Well, they, they wow, do, wow, they do a bit, but <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, you know, what I mean, it's like it's like mm. it, it's just let him show how good he is because he's yeah. fucking incredible. Mm. And when he's he given the opportunity to do so, like it gets everybody talking. Like when he had those two matches in AW before he was signed, he mm-hmm. was like one of the hottest free agents. Yeah. And then we've spoke about this, like ad nauseum at this point. Like what, what are we doing here with him? Like mm. he's such an exciting talent. You don't know what to do with him. And he's so stop and start. And it's like, huh? Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. It's hard to invest in someone you know that's that good when they're not being presented as such on TV. Absolutely. Absolutely. And granted, like a a lot of it, they're kind of saying, oh, yeah, well, he wants to learn. It's like fundamentals of technical wrestling from like Mm. to like add to his style. And I get that. And that's very cool. And you can certainly see he is doing that. Mm. And he's going to be a, by the time he does get like, done with NXT UK he's going to be a lot more of a well-rounded wrestler yeah but at the same time when you've got a guy who's that good of a high flyer don't have him like do his ground. don't <laughs> have him do like loads of groundwork when you can have him doing like flippy shit and I like, have mm. people go fuck me though, what the hell is he doing because <laughs> yeah yeah he's so quick as well mm. quicker than a hiccup like Nigel McGuinness like even said on commentary I never understand when people when people say someone makes it look easy, but then mm. I've watched Nick Fraser and he makes it look so easy. <laughs> yeah. Effortless. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was uh, the February 10th episode of NXT UK. Uh, highs and lows? Uh, my high, Taylor and Nathan Fraser. Really, really, really enjoyed that. <clears throat> um, I wasn't sure what to expect going into that, really. Like, I just thought, and again, it goes into how they've just booked and portrayed Nathan Fraser. I was just a bit like, eh, okay, but this was fucking awesome. And it, it was felt excited. like it went on a decent amount of time as well. Yeah, I was really excited because of that uh, Heritage Cup match they had like last year, mm, mm. which was a banger. And I thought if they're given like kind of no, not like time restrictions, just the the ability to just have like a good match. Yeah, yeah. without like. Because I love Heritage Cup, but like some people, it doesn't suit. Nathan Fraser is one of those people where, yeah, he's he's so fast paced. Like having him stop and start all the time, it almost again, it almost kind of like momentum. Yeah, it limits what he can do at times. Mm. So I was I was a bit uh, about that, but yeah, I'm I I definitely agree. This was the high easily. Yeah. What about low? Um, my low? I'm gonna say the. Kenny Williams video package thing. I just thought it looked a bit naff. It sounded a bit naff. And I'm just not really invested in Kenny Williams as a character anymore. Like when it's he was doing everything with Amir Jordan, that was fucking awesome. In fact, where the fuck is Amir Jordan? He, he was Never injured. quietly released him, have they? Well, he was injured. Yeah. 
I said and, they, they wrote him off, didn't they, in that, but that then feud with him? The match was loser leaves NXT UK, so it could have been that his contract was up as well. Oh. But I haven't seen him like booked anywhere, so it could be that he's actually injured. I mean, his, his social media says professional wrestler, the first Pakistani born to be signed to WWE. So it doesn't mm. mention it apart from that. It doesn't say like NXT superstar or anything like that. The last, the last thing he tweeted was Joseph. Um, oh, was it, I'm on his Instagram. I'm on his Twitter. The last thing he tweeted was um, he he retweeted Joseph Connors talking about uh, leaving NXT UK. So I think he's gone. Uh, I think he's gone. Oh, that's a shame. Um, he, he's also he's also um, tweeting about um, a couple of other companies. Hmm. We'll give him a shout. We'll get him on the pod, won't we? We'll have a little yeah. chit chat. Uh, but yeah, to my point, um, my low is was that Kenny Williams little bit. Uh, what were yours, mate? Um, well, yeah, I, I agree. Um, the high was absolutely. Um, Absolutely, the main events. Um, although honorable mention does go to having Nina Samuels back because it, it needs yeah. more need. And also Aker and uh, Saxon, I've really enjoyed that match. Mm-hmm. Um, my low was Gallus Boys on talk. It just did not inform me. Just fair enough. Fair enough. Just I just thought I just the whole thing was cringy. Dude, it feels like they're trying too hard to be like proper like lads on a stag do. Mm. Gives me a bit of PTSD from when I was working in pubs. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, before we wrap up, we will do one more tidbit and we will go to the 13th of February at the time of recording. That is tomorrow's day. And we're going to go all the way back to 2011 at the Impact Zone in Orlando, Florida, where TNA presents Against All Odds. In the opening match for the TNA X Division title, Kazarian defeated Robbie E to retain. Uh, on special guest commentary, AJ Styles in a six-person tag match saw the team of James Storm, Robert Roode, and Scott Steiner beat Gunner, Murphy, and Rob Terry. Samoa Joe defeated D'Angelo De Nero by submission. For the TNA Knockouts Championship in a last woman standing match, Madison Rain retained by total knockout against Mickey James. Rob Van Dam defeated Matt Hardy. In a street fight, Bully Ray defeated Brother Devon. Jeff Jarrett defeated Kurt Angle. And in the main event for the TNA World Heavyweight title. What kind of match was Jarrett Angle in? Just just a match. There was no stipulation. Was it? Okay, it wasn't the MMA fight the other. No. Oh, it should be noted the Bully Ray and Brother Devon was a street fight. I don't think I mentioned that. Uh, Yeah, in the main event for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, in a ladder match, Jeff Hardy defeated Mr. Anderson to become new TNA World Heavyweight Champion. I think that was when Jeff Hardy turned heel. Oh. I think. Okay. It's it's wait. Did you say 2011? Yes. Yeah, it was because it was it was on the way to Victory Road 2011. Oh, oh, cool. It's when it's when, <laughs> it's, it's when Jeff uh, aligned himself with Hogan and Bischoff, and then he got that fucking ugly ass TNA TNA title with his face on. Oh, oh dear. Oh no. Just a, just another little one for the 12th. Um, it marks the day that the Rainmaker arrived. Uh, where 
Kazuchika Okada in I'm pretty sure it was his first like actual New Japan match as the Rainmaker defeated Tanahashi to become the new IWGP uh, World Championship champion. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Top lad. Oh, and sugar. on that note, that wraps everything up for this week's NXT UK review. Thank you as always for joining us. We appreciate that. If you don't already, drop us a follow on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Untitled Wrestling Podcast and Twitter, Twitch, and Discord at Untitled Rest Pod. At time of recording, we're going to be releasing uh, or recording a few episodes uh, of a new series that we're putting out, which uh, you'll be able to see exclusively on our YouTube channel. So even more reason to go and follow it. If you want to know what that is, look at us on our social media and we'll be giving some more details. Anyways, I've been Troy. That's been Jay. This has been uh, NXT UK and our review, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Hello, yes, Danhausen here. Danhausen has been summoned. You must love this podcast, Housen, the Untitled Wrestling Podcast, Housen. <laughs>